0: Welcome to How to Grow Using AI, Machine Learning, and Intelligent Automation, a podcast by eClerks. We explore how AI and machine learning are being used to scale businesses from end to end. But that's not all. In each episode, our industry experts dive deep into topics like AI-enabled sales optimization, predictive analytics, AI-powered marketing, and machine learning for product personalization. I promise to give you the tools, the insights, and the strategies that you need to grow your business. I am your host, Nicholas Cole. Thank you for joining us on today. I am super excited about the guests that I have joining me today. I have with me. Cyril Coste. He is the chief digital officer at Digital and Growth located in London. He has an impressive resume. He has worked with some of the biggest and best companies out there, such as IBM, Barclays, Amazon Web Services, Rolls-Royce. I mean, the list goes on and on. And just a little ice cream on top of the cake. Cyril has been consistently listed as the go-to guy when it comes to generative AI. And so on today, we're going to dive deep into generative AI. And also, we're going to talk about customer engagement, and the customer experience. But before we get into that, Cyril, let us know a little bit more about yourself.
1: Well, thank you, Nicolas, for this introduction. <laughs> that was something. Thank you very much. I've been in the digital industry for 25 years. Originally, you know, I trained as a mechanical engineer, but I discovered internet uh, university and I dived into it. And I've done pretty much every possible job you can do from developers to solutions architect on the Pre-sale side, working for startups, working for large corporations, and working for small teams, working for 300 people team. So it has been an amazing 25 years. I <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing. And lately, you know, as you mentioned, uh, generative AI has been one of the key topics. I would say for me, it has really appeared on the radar. Really, 2021. So about a year before, a year and a half before ChatGPT exploded where really some large corporations started to implement some lead generation tool. So on the marketing side, to improve their opening rate and response and engagement with their customers. So, you know, some solutions existed before ChatGPT, but funny enough, they were like super complex, super complex. And before that, of course, we had predictive analytics, which was like one step on the way to generative AI and AI in general, where by analyzing large data sets, we were able to understand some audience's behavior to target some specific offers. So think, you know, Cognos and these type of tools, which were very important in the evolution of AI and how we handle customer engagement.
0: Awesome. That is truly amazing. So on today. I am super excited. I just wanted to mention again, thank you for joining us on today. I'm super excited. Glad to have you all with us in total. So, let's jump right in to these questions. So, first question that I have for you today, Cyril, is with your experience, how do you envision generative AI transforming customer engagement strategies? We we'll spend
1: hours on that topic, I think. So, if you're a marketer, Take your customer journey, your typical customer journey from awareness stage until you know the loyalty stage, when you onboard them on your products in your company, when you do the pre sale speech or whatever, until the delivery of service and products, the support that you are going to provide them. And this on an ongoing basis. So you can imagine that over a customer lifecycle, you have so many opportunities to engage with them. Does it mean that you need to use AI for every single of them? Probably not. Only I would say the key ones. The key ones are when your customer need a precise answer and quick answer. So that's usually in support. So usually if you contact support, you have a problem. If you have a problem, it means that you are locked to do something, to deliver something on customers. So that's why basically of some type of chatbot are very useful. Based on FAQs, you know, as a first front line of service. So that's decent because you can interact as a human, say, hello, Nicolas, Nicolas bot, I'm going to call you. I have a problem with uh, the product you delivered. I didn't receive the documentation and I need to configure uh, the tool to deliver this type of analysis. How do I do that? And by looking at a huge amount of data of all the previous customers have asked, you can provide a coherent answer that will probably match pretty well what your customer is going to ask.
0: So with your experience, Cyril, how do you envision generative AI transforming customer engagement strategies?
1: That's a very broad question because we have so many opportunities to engage with our customers before they become a customer, when they're just a, a potential leader, so from when the stage until the post-delivery loyalty stage of the customer journey. I would say it's where is the value because we can't automate everything, automate with generative AI content or activities because it will not be genuine an authentic in the relationship. So it needs to provide some value. Where is the value important is when your customers need you. So where does it make sense to add value to the customer engagement. So it's where our customers need you the most, which is support function, where usually when a customer has a problem with a service delivery or a product, they want support immediately, especially if it's a B2B business because it impacts their own delivery, their own supply chain. So here, this is where function like a chatbot using previous customers' questions, previous documentation, previous answers, with the rating from the previous customers who have used this functionality is very useful to provide quickly a targeted answer and qualify. Okay, is it enough for you or do you need really to speak with one of our consultant or support agent? So that's very important. Then you have of course the sales generation, where it's not important for the customers, but it's important for your business to be able to target when the customers will need you the most in order to focus your marketing activities, marketing and sales activities at that moment, at that time with the right offer. So it means understand your customer buying patterns, understand their industry challenges, understand their, how their own customers affect their decision process. So if you do this manually, it's almost impossible because you need to aggregate too many sources, too many data. And if you do have to do this for all your customers, it's far too consuming in terms of time. Now with Generative AI, if you have organized your customers' data in some audiences, then you can, using Generative AI, provide some information about these customers in order for Generative AI to say, okay, this will be the best time. For example, March will be the best time to target I don't know ice cream sellers because they will start basically to play sort of waffles con you know in April. So this is a time where I need to target them. So this type of condensed information targeted and as usual, it's not about bombarding your customers with marketing message and engagement. It's the right message at the right time. And generative AI can help you to craft and time it perfectly.
0: Awesome. Interesting insights there. Thank you for letting us in on that, including us in on that. And so, with that in mind, how should companies approach the ethical boundaries of AI application as it relates to data privacy and trust? know I ask that is because my father, he is in the legal field, and they began experimenting with AI, and so. One of the first questions that he asked me is what happens to our data? What happens to our customer data? And so from that standpoint, could you give us some insight on that? I think
1: your choice of word with ethics is very important. So when I did my business degree at UCLA, I had a mandatory ethics course. And the definition of ethics was what is morally acceptable at the current time. So It has nothing to do, in a sense, with what is legal or not, but what is morally accepted by the society at the current time. And the challenge is society do not understand AI and how it's built, what is generative AI, what does it mean to use your data to build some models, and how your data are used. I mean, even me, I cannot claim that I understand that problematic fully. So. In a sense, it's very strange to ask, you know, what is ethics or moral to do with the data. So Europe has just, we have a GDPR, which we have the same in the UK, and some states in the US have also some similar data privacy protection for individuals. Brazil also. And is it else? It's always the same. Is you can build all the regulations in the world you want if you have no one to enforce the rules that don't exist. And right now, these rules are mainly applied on big tech companies and large organizations because they have the means to have a data compliance officer and process all the GDPR requests, et cetera. A medium-sized business, they just comply by, you know, registering with the ICO office, and that's pretty much it because, especially when you use cloud-based solutions, you don't necessarily know where all your customers' data are. So to come back to the ethical aspect is do your best and don't choose, I would say it's the reverse approach, is don't choose customers' data in an appropriate way. And in a sense, don't train your AI or don't use generative AI on your customers' data in a way that we don't want someone to use your own data, if that makes sense. I think we are going to see a lot of regulations coming in. You know, it's so new that basically even regulators probably don't know what to regulate in this area. We don't have all the use cases. We don't necessarily understand the full scope of what type of problems this use of our data in the models are going to create or not. So it's very new. I know Europe has been very fast to regulate some things that don't really control. (laughs) It's probably going to be a keto peak in the same sense that, you know, after the subprime crisis in 2008, we had a lot of regulations in the financial services industry, probably when we have the first scandals around data privacy and unethical use of data by LLMs and generative AIs. And maybe we will see like a spike of. Legislations at this moment. But right now, honestly, don't do what you wouldn't want someone to do with your data. That's, and try to, I mean, like follow the law. <laughs> so it's difficult to find good advice, especially when you work with vendors, you know, everybody like wash their hands, you know, not my problem. So if you are a large organization, it's okay. You will add support. If you're a startup, a medium sized organization, it's more difficult to, to find the right level of advice.
0: On that one. Awesome. So actually kind of what you're getting into is striking a balance, striking a balance. And so I'm a little bit interested to know a little bit more about that, getting your thoughts, your insights about that striking a balance. And so as it relates to that, how does generative AI help in striking a balance between customized solutions and standardized approaches? That's a very good question. I never thought about generative AI
1: as that way you know as one side versus another side so if we take the real world you know let's say standardized products are usually for the masses <laughs> and personalized products high-end products usually luxury premium brands etc can we think in the same way about generative AI because the cost is very low generative AI cost is shockingly low i mean like we put so much power Or fingers, because what we can build is absolutely incredible compared to the amount of capital and resources it would have required even just a few years ago. And these questions about standardized approach, personalized is the same as before. As long as it's not creepy, you can personalize as much as you want. But if you start to personalize everything in a very extreme manner where basically you can list someone's Meals for the week, where you can say where they've been on holidays, where you can summarize their 10 years of order purchase. That's going to be creepy. say, oh, gosh, you know so much about me. I don't want, you know. So personalization, once again, it's not about showing that you know everything about your customers, but it's always what is relevant at the right time. And, you know, I've said that at the first question you asked me. But I like this example is that, you know, relevancy is you can sell a Christmas tree until the 24th of December, you know, the 25th, is like the value is zero. <laughs> so that's very irrelevant, you know, so it's, if I want to buy a, a car, once I bought the car, it's too late to try to sell me a car. Okay. So this time of time frame is very important. And generative AI, this is why it's fantastic, I find is when you are going to be able to have a different view and understand your customer's journey better, you know that just by analyzing the purchase of a woman, you know that when she starts to buy a multivitamin pack, it's usually because they became pregnant. So that's an indication. And using this type of flags, especially when you're in a B2B environment, when you can follow, okay, How many job positions have they opened on their website? Because it means that they anticipate a spike in their activity, so maybe we should focus on that. Have they launched a new product line? Because if I provide customer support for them, it means that, oh, I need to produce a more diverse workforce because there are new products to support. So it's going to provide a different view, some things that, all customers don't necessarily tell us, but that we will be able to know about them. Once again, not in a creepy way, but I'm really looking forward to that. So right now, uh, what I'm working on is more the fraud detection and credit card payment where we start to apply this type of techniques. So you as a card user, you don't even see that, but basically by analyzing and you cannot say what type of activity we track, but basically to reduce the fraud rate, just even by a little bit, we are talking in trillions of dollars and the fraud is in hundreds of billions of dollars. So if you can just reduce this by 0.01%, you are talking about a huge amount of money. So imagine you can reduce the fraud by 10, 20, 30%. It's like, it's magic money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Cyril, so in that Same vein. With that being said, could you share your insights on how small to medium sized enterprises can leverage generative AI? Yes. Use
1: it as your favorite consultant. Very often what small and medium businesses cannot access compared to the large organizations is specialized consultants, specialized knowledge. I don't say don't believe everything about what generative AI is going to produce, but you can make it an additional member of your workforce, you can use it to automate. So in order to free up your time, you can ask Generative AI to automate some tasks. For example, help me to target my next marketing campaign, help me to improve my website, and help me to improve my follow-up email campaign, etc. So there are plenty of questions that would require usually the use of external consultants or hire someone for a few weeks, few months, that you can, by writing the correct prompt and using your own data, carefully train a model based on your data where you can improve that. So if you're a small, medium business, don't copy and paste prompts. That's the worst thing you can do. The most important skill in generative AI is to learn how to write prompts. My prompts are usually 100, 200, 300 lines long because you need to explain what you need, you need to give a context, you need to explain what format, etc. So the most important skill, beyond just playing a bit with ChatGPT, is how to write the best prompt. Because one of the key issues right now with Generative AI is consistency in the quality of answers. If you ask uh, ChatGPT or Claude a question today and you ask them next week, it may tell you the complete opposite. So you need to be sure that the way you write the prompt, you have something consistent. Otherwise, it's going to be a stranger business you're going to run.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so in that same way, just piggybacking on that. So would you say writing prompts, would you say that that right now is the biggest challenge that organizations are facing when it comes to implementing generative AI? Or do you see it as that and in addition to other things? Can you give us some insight on that?
1: Okay. So I think that's one aspect is writing prompts. I say, write me a 1200 words blog post about generative AI. You're going to have a 1200 words blog post about generative AI, but I'm afraid it won't be a great one because you didn't say with the audience. You didn't say what type of brands or angle you wanted to cover. So you need to be very selective and Careful, you know, when you write the prompt because generative AI will do exactly what you ask it to do. Unfortunately. So the way I explain it very often is right now we are at a crossroads, amazing crossroads. The first one is AI/generative AI slash generative AI which met by automation. So I think either the expensive solutions from Microsoft, AWS or the more low market solutions such as Zapier or make.com. I say I say low cost doesn't mean they are less efficient, but they are just more popular in, for example, startups and small medium businesses. And no code, low code also. So we have these three technologies who have arrived at the market extremely low cost. And this gives you the same basically tech stack as large organizations. So before you couldn't dream having these abilities to use generative AI, train your own model, automate your business processes, and create your own applications, your own business applications based on your specifications using low-code, no-code, so as I say, with minimum training. And now, basically, if you invest the time to learn these skills, you are basically on the same level as larger organization. That's, for me, it's a paradigm shift. That's really, the convergence of these three changes that's going to make the world very different in the, the next few years.
0: Thank you for that. That's truly amazing. And so the next question that I want to ask, you, I want to pick your brain a little bit. What are the upcoming trends or breakthroughs in AI that you believe will significantly alter the landscape of customer engagement in the next five years?
1: That's a very interesting question. And I haven't really thought about that with everything that has been already delivered in the past uh, two years, and especially since the 30th of November 2022, already so much to do. I know that in the media, you see a lot of mention about when AI is going to match human intelligence, Extra, I'm not necessarily super interested in that part of the discussion, but I think maybe in the next few years, what we are going to see is a specialized generative AI on some specific problem. Imagine a generative AI to replace your finance department or accounting department, a generative AI to build high-rise or build a car. So I think we are going to see more of these specialized generative AI that have been specifically trained around some business or consumer problems. That's, I think, where we are going to be. and. Around that, we will have an ecosystem of companies that we build and improve existing customer engagement. For example, it's unlikely that if you want to buy a house, you are going to go on generative AI specialized in designing and planning the building of a house, but you will contact a company that knows how to use this specific generative AI and, you know, validate that the answers are correct, you know, that you don't call the plumber before the foundations are finished on this type of stuff. So I think this is where we are going to go.
0: Awesome. That's truly fascinating to me. And so in that same vein, as AI continues to evolve, what steps, in your opinion, should businesses or organizations take to future proof their operations and customer engagement models? Again,
1: another very interesting question. As usual, you know, the best way to future proof your company is to fix your current problem and understand why have a customer churn rate, why customers are leaving you. It's not always because you will improve something that you will keep these customers. Your customers, you know, the acquisition cost of a customers is disproportionately higher than the cost of keeping an existing customer. So the engagement must be seen in my view. And priority number one is how do I keep my existing customers before trying to gain new one? And how can I via AI improve, detect potentially what are the faults in my current engagement with them? What are the needs that are unfulfilled, that I could potentially fulfill with generative AI thanks to my creative prompts that we talked earlier. And if you do that, if you keep your existing customers and you improve your engagement, you will future-proof your business. Nothing more to do.
0: <laughs> awesome. Definitely appreciate that. There's some interesting insights. Uh So we've made it to the end of our podcast, but to close this out, I have two what I call human interest questions that our listeners would enjoy. And so... The first question I want to ask you in human interest segment of this episode is, who in the world of AI and machine learning would you most like to take to lunch? Well, it's
1: probably not a technological person, but I'm very curious about how artists and creative people are going to use AI. or they plan to use it to enhance their shows, their creative writing, music writing, whatever. So I think I will... Take Taylor Swift for lunch to understand how she could improve her show with AI and generative AI. Yeah.
0: That was a great one. I think I would like to join in on that lunch with you. So let me know if you get that lunch <laughs> schedule.
1: <laughs> I launched the invitation. We'll see if it's heard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I also want to know something else. What one development in the field of AI, machine learning, or automation? are you most excited about from a customer experience standpoint?
1: I think, you know, slightly outside the customer engagement, but on the patient engagement, I think the benefits of AI in healthcare and how it's going to make it accessible to a large number of people who currently don't have access to expensive technologies or expensive doctors, because doctors is a limited resources even in advanced economy. And the ability that AI will have to speed up this work, probably make better diagnostics, maybe making better recommendations for treatments, that's really exciting. I think we are very, very early at this stage. I know that, you know, especially in a uh, cancer detection, it's already used uh, in radiology, but that's probably where you will see a lot of investment. And as a patient, we can only approve that because this will save lives and improve our quality of life on the long term.
0: Wow. Cyril, it has been a pleasure. It has been a true honor to have you on today. You provided some great insights. You've blown my mind on some things that you provided us and our listeners. So thank you for coming on today. It has truly been a pleasure and a honor. To our listeners, be sure to tune in to our next episode. Thank you very much, Nicholas. How to grow using AI, machine learning, and intelligent automation is brought to you by eClubs. For more information about services and how we can help your business leverage the power of AI and machine learning, visit our website at www. Dot That's wwwe Don't forget to search for how to grow using AI, machine learning, and intelligent automation on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. On behalf of everyone here at eClerks, thanks for listening.